and... This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. You are becoming God. According to New Age religion in the age of Aquarius, Godhood is evolving in you as you, progressively in the spirit of the New Age, develop increasingly global Christ consciousness. As mankind universally embraces this amorphous global consciousness, global unity is going to achieve through universal harmony, economic unity, and one-world religion supporting political oneness in a one-world order or government. Sound good? Sound utopian? Well, it is. Every human who embraces this universal non-dogmatic spiritual consciousness becomes his or her own Messiah. Those who reject or refuse to embrace this mystical esoteric system are not only outliers, but they have to be eliminated as enemies of world harmony and peace. It's kind of like that catchy tune back in the 1970s, How Can It Be Wrong When It Feels So Right? But that thinking seems especially true when any claims of absolute truth or morality seem so divisive. But as has the spirit of Darwin defined our concept of deity? That's what we want to take a look at here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And this uh, mystical mystery of New Age religion or spirituality might be summarized as the progressive self-exaltation of self. Progressive self-exaltation of self. In other words, the evolution of self. The evolution of self becoming God, in fact, actually creating God. That's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. may sound strange to some, but that's exactly what a vast number of people in our world believe and are continuing to believe and increasingly believing. Now, Under this basic presupposition, the very concept or need for a Messiah doesn't really compute because we're all evolving into into this oneness that actually is God. This New Age religious belief system, I think, can reasonably be distilled into two doctrinal propositions. And they're gathered from world religions, philosophy, and and psychology. Here they are. The first is evolutionary godhood. Here, the Darwinian concept of man's evolution is extended beyond the physical to the spiritual. So it's constantly pushing mankind in unified enlightenment toward God consciousness. But anyone who resists this claimed evolution to Christ consciousness are deemed unfit and a hindrance to evolutionary forces and therefore a hindrance to world peace and a new global order. So the second part of this New Age religious belief system is global unity. Evolutionary godhood implies that humankind will soon see itself as God. New Age teaches we are basically good, inherently divine, 
And so you and I can create our own reality. And in order to achieve this seemingly mysterious and ever-elusive global unity, we have to be convinced of three basic truths. Here they are. Man is unified with man. Man must be unified with man. That will produce the spiritual unity of a one-world religion, a one-world order. Second, man has to be united or unified with nature. Hence, the globally unifying pseudo-religion of environmentalism leading us to a one-world order. And then finally, man must be united with God. But since all is one, God is all, all is God, and so we're becoming part of this cosmic oneness as we realize our own divinity and divine goodness. Now, that being the case, if everybody is becoming God through this evolutionary pursuit or embracing of Christ consciousness, then you can't resist what anybody else says as untrue, because then you would be resisting God. Therefore, everybody must tolerate and embrace what everybody else believes and says, and that's how you produce global unity and oneness, since we're all gods. Sound confusing? Well, that's not all that confusing, at least from the standpoint of Mormonism, because the long-standing phrase, public proclamation received from Joseph Smith, defining the dark saying of Mormonism is, as man now is, God once was. And as God now is, man may be or may become. And that doctrine has never been repudiated by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Actually, it's been reinforced through Mormon history. So we see how this is taking place, and I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and I trust that today will be no exception. We're going to take a look at how evolution has laid the foundation for us becoming God. Now, again, this is the belief system, the New Age mystical belief system, the New Age mystical Messiah, and you can well see then why I might write a book called Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages, because, my goodness, there are all kinds of belief systems out there, and they're embraced worldwide. And they're producing a worldwide religious system that essentially declares you are God. You're becoming God. You're divine. And you are therefore the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Don't take that lightly. That's exactly what is being believed out there and what is behind the scenes undergirding the United Nations in its movement toward 2030 and the new global order, the Great Reset. So, again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. It's conversation as always, as always with ever-increasing conviction. Some might say, well, why would you talk about this? Why, why would you talk so often 
framing these kinds of issues in an end-time uh, perspective? Well, that's a very good question. Why would we do that? Well, this last month, this new month, World Magazine came out with a piece by uh, Andre Sue Peterson called The Day Approaching. And I thought that she touched on this in a very helpful way. And I want to share it with you so that you can understand where things are even among professing Christians. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. Right after the program, excuse me, right after the break, we're going to uh, hear from Andre Sue Peterson as she talks in World Magazine, the latest issue, about the day approaching. What is that? And why doesn't anybody want to talk about it? This is Viewpoint, and Viewpoint does determine destiny, including yours. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Well, here we are again with a new week, an election week uh, for Israel, coming up to America's election week next week. And uh, these are times that are trying men's souls. As uh, Thomas Paine said back in the time of the American Revolution, indeed they are. They're times that try men's souls. Very few people really want to talk about it from a serious standpoint, however, even in our churches. And that's what Andre Sue Peterson discovered. She's a regular columnist for World Magazine. And her article coming out in the November 5th edition of World Magazine is called The Day Approaching. Here are some excerpts. She said, a church asked me to speak at its women's retreat. And I told and told me I could choose the topic. So I said, great, let's talk about the second coming. I said, everybody you meet senses that something is terribly wrong in the world and that we're coming to the end. Jesus' return is the next big thing on redemption history's calendar. So let's look at what the Old and New Testaments say about it so that we won't be taken by surprise. We see the day approaching, and we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. But the woman who extended the invitation, she said, emailed back, that that topic was, quote, too heavy, unquote. Too heavy to talk about the second coming, to talk about the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Too heavy for Christian women. So, she said, I said, it's high time the question be faced head on. Every two weeks, when a new column is due, I go through the same philosophical wrangling. Do I write about heavy things that bode the approach of the day? That is, the day of Jesus Christ, the day of his coming? Or is my job to give the reader a break from the news? Am I an interlude, just a comic relief? Do I only do light things? Like a polishing of doorknobs on a sinking ship? 
She goes on to say, if we won't touch the book of Revelation or other prophecies with a 10-foot pole, then why don't we go all the way and just take scissors and cut it out? That's a good question, by the way. So this is what I wrestle with, she said. The retreat organizer suggested a nice series of talks on the women in the Bible. In other words, informational. So in many churches, one detects a deadening quest for safety in preaching that manifests in repetitive and predictable sermons on matters already generally agreed upon. In other words, there's no challenge, no conviction. Don't even want it. But then she said, I know a woman who works with foreign students in the seminary. She said the African students remarked to her that the sermons in America are nice, but they always stop just when they're coming to the powerful part, as if the pastor is afraid of the congregation. That is absolutely true. Absolutely true. And to back that up, several years ago, I was asked to speak to a group of uh, men on a Saturday morning at a church. And uh, so as I contemplated what to talk about, I had a half an hour and I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to talk about the then time church, the now time church and the end time church. That'll give me three 10 minute segments uh, it should be fairly easy to understand and to translate into the minds and hearts of men. So as I began to speak, there was an amazing, strange response. You say, how so? Well, within five minutes, I began to get cat calls from these men. If men could give cat calls, that is. They were sarcastic. They were mocking. Right there as I was speaking, openly, sarcastic and mocking. And I thought, wow, I have never, ever experienced anything like this in a church group. And it continued. I did the best I could to keep together, hang together, realizing that something very, very serious was taking place here and that the hearts of these men was not calculated at all to receive what was being said or anything that the Bible had to say about it. By the time I was through, the catcalls had persisted so uh, regularly and so vehemently that I thought, you know, maybe I should just run and get out of here. So as I just was gathering my things together, uh, normally I expect and, and do have quite a number of people who will gather together and uh, want to ask questions, something like that. This did not happen at all. Not a single person came up to me except one. That person identified himself as the pastor. Mm-hmm. He was there the whole time while his men were giving catcalls to the speaker and mocking what was being said about the then-time church, the now-time church, and the end-time church, a subject that should have galvanized the minds and hearts of the men with conviction 
to prepare the way of the Lord for themselves and their families for this unique moment in history. Here's what the pastor said. He said, the reason that the men acted and responded the way they did is because in our church, we don't talk about end times. We don't talk about the second coming of Christ because we don't want people to be afraid. We just want people to love Jesus. That's what he said. We don't want people to be afraid. We just want them to love Jesus. So basically, that pastor cut out all of the prophecies of Scripture, including the words of Jesus himself, just cut them right out of the Bible and said, they're not only irrelevant, they cause problems. Hmm. This, by the way, is the spirit everywhere. When I say everywhere, I don't mean in every single congregation, but it's so pervasive as to be almost a universal problem. So in order to converse about these kinds of things, however seriously or however relevantly it may be done, the reality is that the resistance is so great that indeed it's like paddling a canoe straight up Niagara Falls. Just wanted to to understand, it's not just yours truly who senses this. Here is a woman in a Presbyterian situation who feels exactly the same way and was was actually dealt with in exactly the same spirit. Don't talk about that, that's too heavy. All right, that having been said... I want to uh, take us now uh, from the introduction concerning the New Age spirituality, producing a New Age uh, cosmic Christ through an evolutionary procedure to the evolutionary Christ. That's right. To the evolutionary Christ. In other words, you are becoming Christ. You will be Christ, and there's no need for the Christ of the Bible because this universal Christ consciousness is going to evade, invade you, and everyone else on the planet, almost everyone else on the planet, who doesn't believe in truly a Messiah to come thus making every person who believes in this evolutionary Christ consciousness as their own Messiah. If you want to understand a little bit more about this, I urge you to get a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It is utterly fascinating, friends. And uh, in this book, like a good attorney, I cite uh, the background, the actual sources, uh, because I do not want people to be deceived that somehow uh, yours truly is just coming up with these ideas. No. These ideas are backed up, supported, quoted, and it is utterly astounding. Astounding. So... This is the environment that you, your children, your grandchildren, and pastors, your congregation are living in. They're swimming in this environment.
It's everywhere. It's pervasive. So pervasive that Oprah Winfrey actually conducted a uh, a seminar, a disciple. She called it a discipling seminar in Christ consciousness, developing the new evolutionary Christ in you. So you are Christ in you, the hope of glory, the darling of the media, Oprah Winfrey. That's correct. The book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Age, is $22. We'll put this uh, new book in your hands, and uh, it will help you to understand the amazing dynamics that are out there competing for Yeshua as true Messiah. That way, it will help us to understand why Jesus would say, Watch out for deception, boys. This is what he told his disciples. Right there, two days before his uh, crucifixion, they asked him what would be the sign of his coming and at the end of the age, and he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Then he even said that many are going to come, even in my name, and receive many. Well, when you say that uh, there's a cosmic Christ and you're coming, aren't you coming in the name of Christ? That's exactly right. You're using the word Christ, the name of Christ. Uh, You're using it in such a way to proclaim you as the anointed one. You're now the anointed one, not Jesus. You're the anointed one. Do you not think that's massive deception? People want to believe that kind of thing. They just do because they don't want to submit to the word, the will, and the ways of Jesus Christ, who speaks on behalf of the Father, full of grace and truth. Don't want to receive it. $22 will put the book in your hands, enlightening and life-changing. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or... You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. According to Teilhard de Chardin, matter is the matrix of spirit. So for Teilhard, he said, All matter is evolving toward higher forms of complexity consciousness. Complexity consciousness. So even though the uh, laws of thermodynamics state that everything is deteriorating, he said that everything is ascending, evolving toward higher forms of complexity consciousness. The, The ultimate human adventure is to bind our energies with evolution and to unite our personhood with that animating center that is drawing forward all creation. That's what he said. He went on to say that the final threshold is when evolution moves toward the highest form of personalization and spiritualization in the cosmic Christ of the universe. Spirit matter simultaneously arrives at the end that it was its beginning, the Omega point. Teilhard is the foundational theologian of New Age faith, which 
it's obvious, is predicated on the evolution of humankind into godhood. So this divine evolution ultimately finds its roots in the deification of earth itself. Earth is deified, humankind is deified, and that's why we need to be united with the earth. That's what ultra-environmentalism is all about. It's the resurrecting of a new form of pantheism, uniting human beings with nature. Nature is deified, man is deified, and together we're unified in Christ consciousness, a global consciousness to save the world. Sound interesting? Maybe frightening? We'll be right back. The Evolutionary Christ. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The evolutionary Christ. You are becoming God. You are becoming Christ. It is this universal evolutionary process toward Christ consciousness that will save humankind. And to the extent that a person does not embrace it, they are determined to be the odd man out. They are determined to be the final uh enemies of global peace and security and must be removed from the earth. That's the view. They have to be selected out, say it says the new age religiosity or the new age uh, uh, evolutionary Christ consciousness. If you don't embrace it, you're out of here. You cannot be tolerated You are the enemy of world peace, and you must be selected out. The U.N. has embraced that view for many a year, right there in U.N. documents, that ultimately true followers of Jesus Christ will be, of necessity, selected out from society. We're not going to go into the depths of the implications of that, but obviously it means massive persecution. It's coming. As the evolutionary Christ spirit is spreading throughout the earth to unite the world in a great reset, the uh, global consciousness, the uh, universal uh, global government and economics and so on that is coming uh, and, and moving toward fulfillment in 2030, 
this Christ consciousness will increasingly demand the persecution of genuine, true followers of Jesus Christ on the planet. Teilhard de Chardin, believe it or not, was a Catholic. And, uh, in fact, he was a uh, Jesuit. Interesting, isn't it? Yet, for him, it was all about evolution. It wasn't about Christ. It was about evolution. He said there is a communion with God and a communion with earth and a communion with God through the earth. So that eventually he came to the conclusion that human participation in this communion experience brought one into the depths of mystery. That's what he said, the depths of mystery. Remember the subtitle of my book, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages? Every single one of these alternative belief systems involves a mystery. Yet, the Bible talks about the mystery of Christ. talks about the mystery of God. It talks about the mystery of iniquity. There is a mystery that has to be resolved uncovered in the mind and heart of humankind. That's why Jesus spoke in parables, friends. Not so that the mystery could be revealed easily, but that only those who were seriously pursuing the understanding of the mystery would get it. That's what Jesus said. He said, I don't don't talk to them in parables so that they can get it more easily. He quoted Isaiah. I speak to them in in parables because having eyes they see not, having ears they hear not, lest at any time they should understand and be converted and I should heal them. Now, we'll continue to talk about this so-called mystery. Tailhard said, I see the world a mysterious product of completion and fulfillment for the absolute being himself. Absolute being is an alternative phrase for God. He said, and convergence of cosmic, planetary, and divine energies in the human. Thus, the collective messiahship of humanity emerges in evolutionary glory. Interesting, isn't it? These are not just, shall we say, way out ideas. These are ideas that have become normalized in the world among so-called intelligent leadership people. And this vision of global community now is now evolving with intentionality into a new world order of global governance. This fellow, Teilhard, dramatically shifted theological agendas from an exclusively redemptive focus on the historical person of Jesus of Nazareth toward a one cognizant of the dynamic, ever-changing picture of creation given by the evolutionary sciences. So Teilhard inherited the so-called modern faith in progress, He was a progressive, you might say, in human ingenuity that was particular legacy of the God-rejecting French Enlightenment. 
So that accounted for his seeming optimism with regard to the human capacity to build the earth. Does that sound familiar? This build the earth vision was ultimately embraced by the global leaders of the Great Reset, that is, of the New World Order, with the mantra, Build Back Better, that was plagiarized by the Biden administration as its globally unifying purpose. Build Back Better. In other words, we will save ourselves and the planet. Supposedly, all this is based on science, but it's not pure science. It's scientism, but it's not science. It's a modern belief system, scientism, uh, that ultimately science is the final mediator of all truth, which it is not. So science itself becomes a false gospel. It presents itself as a false gospel when it presents its theories as gospel truth. So that allows... A new ism to be developed. A virtual religious belief system with its own dogma and high priests. And what was it called? Evolution. Evolution. Mr. Darwin introduced it in 1859. When he published Origin of Species, in which he proposed his theory of natural selection. Now, there were things leading up to that, but Darwin is the heart of a virulent humanism that exploded upon the world stage through the French Revolution, erecting the goddess of reason while purporting to topple the god of the Bible and all legitimate authority of faith and family. Out of that came Darwinism. Here's what Newsweek had to say about this. About Darwin, he said he knew full well what he was up to. As early as 1844, he famously wrote to a friend that to publish his thoughts on evolution would be akin to confessing a murder. To a society accustomed to searching for truth in the pages of the Bible, Darwin introduced the notion of evolution rather than as Genesis would have it. That was right there in Newsweek magazine. So, if God didn't create, as stated in Genesis 1, does God exist? If Genesis 1 to 11 is not true, can any of the rest of the Bible be believed? Does Scripture carry any moral or spiritual authority if Genesis 1 to 11 is not true? If Scripture has no ultimate authority, and if God does not exist or did not create, who has authority in our lives and in our world? Is there a Messiah who can deliver from human despair or there is no hope beyond the grave? That's really where we are. Dr. Doug Douglas Patina, author of an anti-creationist book, said, Creation and evolution between them exhaust the possible explanations for the origin of living things. uh, organisms either appeared on Earth fully developed or they did not. If they did not, they must have developed from pre-existing species. If they did appear in a fully developed state, 
they must indeed have been created by some omnipotent intelligence. So it is creation versus naturalism. And that's where science and biblical faith collide. So ultimately, it's not really science at stake, but your soul, my soul, all of our souls. The real question remains, hath God said? And scientists well know the consequences. The question is, do you? Apparently, the Pope doesn't, because he's embraced evolution. Very clearly and openly. And evolution defies the accepted and unrefuted laws of motion declared by Sir Isaac Newton, a body at rest tends to remain at rest until acted upon by some outside force. A body in motion tends to remain in motion until acted upon by some outside force. So, things are not developing into higher forms. They're actually deteriorating. That's the law of entropy. It declares that all matter's energy out of the physical world is in the process of steady deterioration and that that deterioration is inevitable and cannot be avoided unless acted upon by an outside force. Science has no answers to these things. It's all theory. So now what we have is a religion of evolution. The true answer is that naturalism is a non-theistic religion and belief system requiring immense faith. How do we know that? Well, the uh, well-known, eminent scientific philosopher and ardent Darwinist, Michael Ruse, even acknowledged that evolution is their religion. He said evolution is promoted by its practitioners as more than mere science. Evolution is promoted as an ideology, a secular religion, a full-fledged alternative to Christianity. Evolution is a religion. This was true of evolution in the beginning and is true of evolution still today. Interesting, isn't it? Yes. That's why they say we're proceeding to become Christ. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're taking a look now at the underpinnings of new age uh, religious belief and uh, that you are becoming Christ. 
It is about Christ consciousness. You are in the process, the evolutionary process of becoming God through Christ consciousness. In other words, you are becoming your own Messiah. You will not need a Messiah. You will not need a deliverer because you are the deliverer. And from the standpoint of not just evolution, but from the standpoint of uh, technology, AI, artificial intelligence and technology and so on, we have an entire chapter in our book, uh, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, about scientific salvation. It is shocking to hear the quotes coming from some of the world leaders in science and technology who seem to be unabashedly declaring that we're becoming God. And all we need is a little more time and a little deeper technology, and we'll save ourselves. We'll become our own messiahs, and in fact, we will rule over the universe. That's their viewpoint. That's why we need to talk about this. And professing Christians need to understand it because otherwise the deception is so great and it slithers in like a serpent through the cracks of life and it will deceive untold many, including your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. Pastors, we have a responsibility as the leaders of God's people that are being tr- that are trusted by the people to prepare them for these times, we have a responsibility to elucidate for them what is taking place. Not just from an information standpoint, but from a transformation standpoint. Our minds and hearts must be deeply, deeply moved by the Holy Spirit and our complete trust in the, in the words of God through his word, uh, as revealed by the Holy Spirit, so that we can walk confidently by faith, putting, keeping on the full armor of God that we might be able to stand, that our people might be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's the transformation part of it. It has to be embraced. It has to be meditated upon and made real in the mind and heart and life of we the people. So let's talk very quickly about the the religion of evolution. I already shared with you Michael Roos saying that uh, evolution is a religion. It was in in the beginning, it still is, and he's an evolutionist. But how how about uh, Dr. Richard Levantin of Harvard? Here's what he said. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of such many of its constructs, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated commitment to materialism. We are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. 
What he's actually saying is we reject anything that would purport to be truth, even though it's obvious what we're saying is not true. We still, in other words, what he's doing is admitting the spiritual rebellion within the scientific community. Absolute spiritual rebellion, very much like what uh, our president once said uh, a couple of months ago when he said, I believe in truth, not facts. Truth, not facts? I thought truth was based upon facts. Not if you don't want to believe it, and not if you're going to live according to the lordship of your feelings. So evolution is a religion, a religion without God. In fact, Julian Huxley, primary architect of neo-Darwinism, called religion evolution a religion without revelation. And he wrote a book by that title, by the way. He argued that we must change our patterns of religious thought from a God-centered to an evolution-centered pattern. Then he boldly declared the underlying motivation behind the dogma of evolution or naturalism that its tenets preach. Listen to what he said. It's so arrogant. He said, the God hypothesis is becoming an intellectual and moral burden on thought. We must construct something to take its place. In other words, what's, what's happening is the construct of scientism in its absolute unmitigated rebellion against God. Now, evolution then doesn't stand alone. It's as the former assistant secretary general of the United Nations said, the most fundamental thing we can do is to believe in evolution as basic in everything. So why would he say for the United Nations that evolution is so basic? It's because it's basic to a new vision of man, basic to a vision of a global utopia, man-centered rather than God-centered. It's a satanic salvation being prepared for the world as an acceptable alternative to the hope of salvation in Jesus, the Messiah. The Humanist Manifesto, too, gives us a preview of the thinking undergirding the New World Order that's now exploding into the brave new world, and we should take thoughtful heed to it. Traditional moral codes fail to meet the pressing needs of today and tomorrow, they say. False theologies of hope and messianic ideologies cannot cope with existing world realities. They separate rather than unite peoples. Humanity to survive requires bold and daring measures. We need to extend the use, uses of the scientific method in order to build a constructive social and moral value. Humanism can provide the purpose and inspiration that so many seek. It can give personal meaning and significance to human life. They go on to say in Humanist Manifesto 2, We believe that traditional dogmatic or authoritarian religions that place revelation, God, ritual, or creed above human needs and experience do a disservice to the human species. We can discover no divine purpose or providence for the human species Humans are responsible for what we are or will become. No deity will save us. We must save ourselves. In other words, we will be our own Messiah. Are you listening? 
So the whole foundation of atheism, excuse me, of evolution is atheism in disguise. And it's being presented with vengeance. Everything is at stake. The hope of civilization is at stake. The hope of your children and grandchildren is at stake. It's about whether or not there will truly be a Savior or not. Whether or not we need a Savior. And notice that the entire humanistic viewpoint ignores sin. We're not just sinful. We're just becoming better and better. We're evolving into godhood. Isn't that exactly what uh, the Mormons say? have said, whether or want they want to hide, to hide it, it has never been rejected from their theology that as man is, God once was, and as God is, man is becoming. That's evolutionary pursuit of godhood becoming God. At root is the religious belief of evolution. Julian Huxley, the first director of UNESCO, could not have made it more plain. He said we must develop a world religion of evolutionary humanism. A world religion of evolutionary humanism. Isn't that what is being designed to unify the world under the new global order, the great reset that is taking place, that is exactly what is happening. And isn't it fascinating? Darwin's theory that humankind was the product of a slow evolutionary process conflicts with the literal biblical account of creation, but on October 23rd, 1996, Pope John Paul II declared that now knowledge confirms the theory of evolution to be more than a hypothesis. The Vatican itself is evolving again from the authority of Scripture to the authority of the Pope. On February 9, 2009, the Vatican, under Pope Benedict XVI, admitted that Charles Darwin was right on the right track when he claimed that man descended from apes. And now, believe it or not, Pope Francis is accentuating the conviction through the Vatican that indeed evolution is the reality. What's the end point of it all? The end point of it is we don't really need a savior. We're becoming our own savior. And our viewpoint on these issues, friends, is going to determine destiny. And if there, if there is not a coming Messiah who will judge the world in righteousness, then what's all that talk in the Bible, New and Old Testament, about? You see, the whole idea of evolutionary Christ consciousness, becoming Christ, becoming God, becoming your own salvation, is that you will not have to deal with judgment for your life and your behavior. So you can live your life however you want. 
There will be no judge because you're the judge. It's a self-created utopian civilization of self-salvation. Hence, a new world order for the ages. Mm. That's where it is. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. I hope this has been helpful, not just informative, but uh, transformative from the standpoint that it tells us what you and I need to be doing to communicate with our kids, our grandchildren, uh, those around us, pastors, with your people. This is very important. In fact, it may be the most important thing that we can talk about. It doesn't do very much good to give factual statements about Jesus being the Son of God and uh, uh, coming to save us from our sin when, in fact, our children and grandchildren are being inculcated with just the opposite viewpoint every day in our schools. And it's even being embraced by three successive papacies. What's this all about, friends? Get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. $22. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Friends, we're at the moment of truth in the valley of decision. Can you not sense that yet? That's why we're talking about this. We're not talking about making America great. We're talking about making Americans godly. Restoring, restoring the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and its authority to the life of we the people. That's the only way our country will move in the direction of one nation under God. The only way. I hope you agree. God bless. Be a blessing. Become a partner. Don't delay. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.